everyone to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you fine listeners. My name is Aaron Spears. And I'm Mike Went. This episode's challenge, because we are in the thick of the holiday season, is holiday horror. Uh, movies like Violent Night and Christmas Bloody Christmas are uh, out right now. Yeah. Uh, I actually uh, just got to see... Um, violent night uh this past weekend at the drive-in and it was it was a lot of fun in my opinion (laughs) we had family obligations and i saw that at the drive-in i was like god that'd be the perfect place to go watch that yeah yeah no i mean i i enjoy that the 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 drive-in i think it was closed for a couple weeks and then they decided to open it up for like two more weekends so yeah you know people could see violent night i I think that's like the perfect place to see that kind of movie (laughs) oh yeah yeah uh you know and the weather is still has you know knock on wood it has still been a little bit mild um right yeah, we haven't had a lot of snow yet but yeah for a cleveland december we've been you know 40s and rainy a lot versus yeah. it could be so yeah but but it, yeah but anyway this episode is going to be holiday horror which uh you know i guess could mean a lot of different things for different people so it could it could mean christmas it could mean hanukkah it could mean uh new years it could be Maybe even Thanksgiving. I, you know, I'm not sure. But. Yeah, yeah. There's uh what's the the trauma one? Thanks killing. Yeah. <laughs> I think in there. Yeah. Uh, I did stick pretty much within the kind of Christmas realm because you know there. I did some Google searches. I didn't find a Kwanzaa horror film. I really didn't find a, a you know like a, a Hanukkah horror film. Like, yeah. It was kind of um, defaulting to Christmas uh, as I was yes. to together. Same. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we thought, you know, hey, you know, if we're doing uh, the conceit of the show, picking a topic to watch like holiday films, eh, I mean, you could do that. But that's also a huge category. Um, I am around a lot of the shitty Hallmark ones because you just <laughs> you got to play through a few of them every year. And uh, it's just not something I want to do a whole episode about. But, you know, like the the holiday horror, I was like, I'm still kind of catching up with some of my leftover Halloween uh, or my October picks for uh, Hooptober. And I was like, oh, there's a couple of crossover ones here we can do as well. And think of it this way. If you're not that big of like a of a horror fan around like Christmas or the holidays, maybe use one of these just in the mix uh, along with your Hallmark movie. Just, you know, go for a little yeah. guts and suspense here on occasion. Do you, do you think it's like it's somewhat of a hindrance? Like, say, if, if you make you direct a movie and it's so specific holidays does it like hurt the rewatchability during the rest of the year or, or is it good to have a movie that potentially could be revisited at the same point of every year? I, a good question. Cause I, it feels sort of like, um, is that the definition of a catch 22? <laughs> right. Right. I, yeah, I guess. Ballpark, I think. Yeah. The, so the screenwriter for silent night, no, the screenwriter for violent night, and the director of Christmas Bloody Christmas were just on the Pure Cinema podcast. Oh, okay. And they were kind of wrestling with that same thing. When you're the creator of something like that, you know, you want people to like, you don't want people to one and done your movie. You want it to be be beloved, ideally. You know, people love it and they want to go for it. And so they were saying that like, you know, maybe even if you're so-so on the movie, there's so few holiday, specifically Christmas horror movies that if you are a horror fan and you're like, kind of like violent night or you're it's like you know two and a half star movie you may just revisit it because it's just in the category of christmas horror oh it's now a four-star movie you know what i mean right so yeah they were kind of wrestling with that and i was like you know that's a good point because i 
and I, and I don't mean any shade on those two movies because I haven't seen either one yet. Uh, both guys were like a blast to listen to uh, talk about their films. But to me, the bar is kind of lowered when we go into yeah. holiday films already. But now you're doing a subgenre below that of holiday horror. Like, I mean, I watched some garbage in preparation for this show. I'm not including it on my on my list necessarily, but like it's it's a low bar yeah. for this particular genre. Yeah, no, there there are some that are uh, that are <laughs> very skippable, um, but but hey, I mean, I guess it's like if it is that flash in the pan, if like you know, because like I I tended to stick with when going through these like probably mostly to the eighties, which I you know I think we've discussed on this podcast before. It's like the heyday of of horror movies, yeah, uh, but. Um, but you know, but really, probably, I, I know we're gonna talk about it real quick. Here is like you know maybe the the gold standard for holiday horror movies is from the seventies, which is Black Christmas uh, by Bob Clark. Yeah, uh, nineteen seventy four. The date is very important because uh, I did a first watch of it uh, a couple weeks ago. You you revisited it a couple weeks ago. Yes, and we both were like, we're not putting this on our list because like it's the easy search, you know, when you do a Google search holiday horror, Christmas horror, like it's going to come up. So we were trying to dig a little deeper, but I like, I kept pausing it. Cause I was like, wait a minute, there's a slasher loose in a sorority house. I've seen that movie in the eighties. <laughs> um, there's a POV killer shots. That's Halloween 1978, four years later. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Did Bob Clark like invent the language of slasher right. here with black? Right. Christmas? And he kind of did down to even like there was, um, kind of some giallo vibes because we just did our episode on giallo film oh, yeah. like, the color palette of like she has like the yellow scarf on a lot there's always a yellow in the giallo stuff also the name of it is giallo is yellow uh but the reds and the blues are like this is looking really similar there's even uh, okay so i was really geeking out about this there was even that shot and i never didn't know what it was called but it was like half in focus and half not in focus yeah like the field that brian de palma uses so it's the diopter shot yeah. um so like for for foreground and background are both fully in focus, but it's on two sides of the screen. Bob Clark's doing that in Black Christmas. Yeah. Which is a few couple like a year or two before uh De Palma kind of breaks through with like Dress to Kill and like some of his early stuff. I was like, I, I had no idea Bob Clark was like completely on it in 74 doing that with Black Christmas. Yeah, like I'm sure he's probably, you know, not you know, not considered like a visual auteur or something like that. Right. But uh but yeah, I mean they were definitely he was definitely trying some different things here. And uh, I think maybe, I don't know if maybe because of it's, you know, for a while, like he is an American, but dabbled a lot in like Canadian uh, almost exploitation movies for a little bit there. Yeah. Um, so it's like, maybe he was just given all this freedom and, you know, just trying to throw a lot of stuff against the wall and see, see what worked. And, Could be. and obviously, I mean, I think he has a very good command of, of this movie and um you know directed the hell out of it i think oh, absolutely yeah and then obviously we're a cleveland-based film podcast so we have to mention he would then later go on in 83 to do a christmas story one of yeah. you know, those beloved uh classics of the genre that might be a future double feature i'm going to do like on a on a christmas basis like do a black christmas, <laughs> christmas story um i don't know what order just yet i guess maybe you'd I don't know. Depends on how you want to feel at the end of the night, but um, yeah, that's, that's pretty fantastic. I, I, I got to dig a little more into his filmography. I've only seen those two. And then the, the one he did about uh, the guy that returns from Vietnam, death, death dream. 
Oh yes, yes. Um, so I, I got to check out some more uh, some more Black Christmas. So, what are you looking for when we're talking about holiday horror? Like, does it do you need the snow setting? Can it be set not in the snow? Do you need to have like some presents around? Do you need the lights up? Do you need yeah. to have a holiday party going? Like, what are we I, looking for? I prefer if there is some snow. Um, I, I I think it just it sometimes adds to the the aesthetic, um, you know, it, it puts you in the mood, it puts you in the vibe. And a lot of times, especially with these horror films is they were able to do some you know, unique things with, uh, the cinematography because of, uh, because maybe you have, uh, you know, that cold breath that, oh, that yeah. you see or, uh, you know, icicles or, you know, stuff like that. I mean, there, there is one or two that I can think of that, that were, um, that are set in like tropical areas or something like that. Uh, but uh, those did not make my, my list. It's just not, it, not that they're, they don't count. It's just, it's more, <laughs> it's, I, I need more of that. Yeah. That winter, bitter, bitter cold. Kind of <laughs> I wonder if it's kind of region specific. Like if we, like I just said, you know, Cleveland film based podcast, but if we were like born and raised in Miami, Right. Like Christmas to us would be like, oh, snow is exotic. Like that doesn't come right. to mind. Like we're, we you know, grew up around like ideally snowy Christmas, but at least snowy winters nonetheless. So that is, uh, I feel like that's kind of normalized, uh, normalized to us. I, I'm kind of looking for the same things, I think. Uh, but then also on top of it, you've got like the thrills of the horror genre that you need to have. Yeah. In place. And it did seem like it fell into, um, I'm not going to name any, any movies. We'll see if any of our picks pan this out, but like, it seems like it falls into a few categories of like either how Santa is used or not used in this, in the course of this, like <laughs> Christmas ones or like what we have right now, like violent night, you have Santa being the guy who, you know, saves the day. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, as Christmas party Christmas, you have animatronic Santas, uh, you know, going out and murdering. So like, that's an evil Santa, uh, you know, versus Santa saves the day kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, there's really not like, uh, say, any, um, you know, uh, Killer Christ movies or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to try to search for that, actually. When that sounds kind of interesting. <laughs> but did you have any, any any other things you were looking for, Mike, or should we jump in with some honorable mentions here? Yeah, I think, you know, let's jump into some of these honorable mentions. All right, well, what do you got? The first one is um, uh, from... Uh, 80, 1980 is called A Christmas Evil, um, which is uh, kind of a it, it's a very weird movie. It is a horror film, I would say, but it's also I would I would consider it like a psych, psychological movie because, uh, you know, it's about a young man who um, it start Basically, the movie starts off in this flashback where he sees Santa like eating cookies and everything. And then he comes back down and sees like. Santa, who's actually his father, like fooling around with with mom, uh, and that just like get that that gives him like this bad vision of Santa, and it almost like you know he he should have charged many therapy bills to his, uh, his parents, <laughs> uh, but um, you know then he, it flashes forward, and uh, he works at a toy factory. He's kind of you know he's kind of spit on at work, or not sp- spit on, but he's he's always kind of kicked down and everybody kind of makes fun of him. And so he starts dressing up like Santa and he really starts to feel that he is Santa okay. and anybody who um, gives him any problems, you know, he, 
he hacks them up. <laughs> um, so we're in evil Santa territory for this one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There, there are some fun kind of uh, interesting things about this. Cause you can probably tell it was, it was probably made for my guess is like under a million or something like that. Cause it's like no known stars or anything. Mm-hmm. And there's even some, there's certain scenes, especially towards the end where, um, you know, the brother, you know, his brother really cares for him, but he's just always just like, man, like my brother is such a crazy man. <laughs> but uh, there's a part where he's running after him towards the end and the brother kind of slides on the, what looks like snow, but it's, it's definitely blanketed just like, you know, white stuff. You know, it, it was that my guess is like they shot it at another time of the year. Oh, right. uh, but, uh, but the, the ending of that movie is very, uh, memorable, uh, and I won't spoil it in case anybody hasn't seen it. But I it is—it uh, kind of leaves it up to your imagination how uh, the fate of our our lead character. But uh, okay. definitely one to check out Christmas Eve. That was—it's uh, near the top of my list. I'm going to get to that one this week, I think, because it was coming up as I saw it listed as um, a perennial, um, not perennial. That's not the right word. A uh, total like John Waters recommendation oh yes yeah he's a big vocal fan of it and also i had read that it was seized under the um what do they have in england it was not like it's censorship they had a name the video nasty scandal oh yes um, yes in england of the 80s so like it was kind of, you weren't allowed to watch it and i'm like oh i'm i'm i don't know that's still like the teenage boy in me he's like i'm not allowed to all right i gotta watch that <laughs> how about you I have a couple honorable mentions. I am going to start off with my modern one because i'm doing these out of chronological order this sure time. <laughs> um, I'm going to do the 2010 film Rare Exports, A Christmas Day. Oh, yes. Yes. You see this one? I have. Right. Love it. So I, I was thinking I wanted to look at like how other countries do their like kind of Christmas traditions. Because like we mentioned at the top of the show that stuff I'm looking for that I associate with the holidays as far as I've grown up and where I've grown up. But that may not be the case if you're like in Finland in this case, or if you're in a different country that may come up as we keep talking here. Um, <laughs> so Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale is uh, Jalmari Helander, uh, Finnish director. Um, it's also told from a child's perspective, which I really like. I love seeing how other countries do children's perspectives on the world because they don't necessarily always play it as safe as we do here in Hollywood. And I kind of like that element of, of danger. Uh, it's like Piet. Piatari, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, is, is the boy in in, in, uh, in the case here in Rare Exports. It's he and his dad. Um, his dad is a reindeer herder, like literally like, you know, a reindeer, <laughs> reindeer all around here. And it ends up being this interesting kind of Finnish. I wrote in my notes is like a Finnish class war film because he's like, you know, the, the salt of the earth reindeer herder. And then there's this evil corporation who is mining a mountain like right next door to where he herds all of his reindeer. Um, and they discover something, you know, secret down in the ice and all that. And again, you know, these, if you haven't seen these movies, that's, this is not a I don't need to spoil it to sell it to you. Uh, but like the children are in legit danger at times. <laughs> and I not that I love children in danger, but I like that it feels as dangerous, as unsafe as this story actually would be. Oh, yeah. Um, and it also kind of flips the script on the idea of commercializing Christmas by the end of yeah. it. And if you see the movie, you know what? we're talking about there otherwise it's a nice little surprise for you at the end of that one but it does steer not as hard as like a slasher movie into the horror but it does have plenty of horror and i think horror fans would be like oh yeah no this is right up my alley 
Oh, and the cinematography in that movie is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if you want snow, as we said, that's a requirement for our Christmas ones here or for our, our holiday horror. Um, you know, it's in you know, northern Finland. Like, it's all ice and snow. And it's it's freezing watching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. What else you got, Mike? Another honorable mention here. Sure. Uh, so this one is from this one's from the 90s. This was uh, made for or direct to video uh, Jack Frost uh, from 1997, which is um, probably another cheaply made film. But, uh, you know, it's basically a, uh, you know, a serial killer is being uh, transported and gets through this accident, gets uh, this uh, chemical you know, poured on him, which makes him turn into a snowman, uh, with a, but a killer snowman. It, it's by, by most, um, stretch of the imagination, it's not the greatest movie, no. but I do have, uh, great memories of renting this from the video store a couple times. And mostly cause like Shannon Elizabeth, uh, yep. who, eventually went on to American pie, uh, has a very memorable death scene, uh, <laughs> in, in a shower with, with this. So if you can imagine like seven, seventh, eighth, eighth grade boys, you know, seeing this beautiful woman in a, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we would rent that just cause some of the one liners in it, um, it's definitely worth checking out. Now, there was a sequel that was made maybe a, a year or two later. That looks even way cheaper than the first one. I, I don't know. Like maybe the first one might have been shot on film and the second one was like maybe shot on video. It just it looks so much cheaper. But I, it's one that uh, I just remember – really uh loving as a, you know as a younger kid i haven't seen it in years but uh but i had to mention it for this episode for sure i rented it same as you same story <laughs> <laughs> um i always thought the shower death scene for her was like kind of an interesting little and this is just you know horny teenage boy you know trying to justify <laughs> now as an older <laughs> as an older guy um i thought i kind of flipped the script on the whole like shower scene uh, that yeah, it was nudity in horror movies, but now it's like, but yeah, but the wa- what if the water was the melted snowman who could reform himself and then kill someone? <laughs> we get to see that. Um, it's by no means a good one. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and I was, I was double checking. I put on the sequel a couple of years back because I was thinking it was set in the tropics, which it is. Yes. And so we get one. They're getting away from all of that horrible stress and the problems of that first movie. We're going to go to the Caribbean, but the snowman follows him of course yeah um, but it's like wait it's like a thousand times worse <laughs> oh i bet yeah there, there's a quote here i found from the director i think it is it says um uh jack frost was made for the cost of its catering budget so uh, that's there and if you're not sure on that one too there's actually uh the one i just rewatched a few weeks ago was the riff tracks version of jack frost oh the, um some of it is you know edited uh sure but um you know you get the gist and also if you want to have some fun with it not to be confused with the Michael Keaton Jack Frost, which is, I think, actually worse. Right. Which <laughs> but, came out, yeah, around the same time. So I'm sure there had to have been, like, I'm sure a couple, I, I'm sure there's horror stories out there where families saw this, the two tapes or something. Yeah. And they 
<laughs> yeah, if you want to have a chuckle, bring up those um, VHS boxes next to each other and see, like, oh, somebody was definitely. I mean, one has clearly like razor sharp teeth and is right, you know, right, a snowman. But you're like, you don't know. You're a parent, like, oh, that's the movie my kids said to get. Let's grab this. Yeah, one. maybe a careless dad or, or mom, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, sticking on theme of um, low budget filmmaking. Sure. My other honorable mention is it comes with a huge caveat. Okay. <laughs> so it's from 1998. It's called Feeders 2 Sleigh Bells. <laughs> S-L-A-Y. Um, I have not seen Feeders 1. I don't think it needs to be seen for this one to work. I'm not actually even sure this one works, but God bless Tubi uh, yeah. for doing the good work and putting out these movies that no one remembers or has heard of. But oh. There's so many treasures on Tubi. <laughs> There's so many treasures. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's now just like my go-to when it's late at night. I'm like, I just want 40 minutes of something to fall asleep to. What's the deep dive on Tubi I bookmarked? Uh, so this came out in 98. It's a whopping 72 minutes long. So, you know, awesome. Like it's the perfect way to do like super low budget ones. I guess feeders one, the official budget was like five to 700 bucks. And I think they probably cut it in half to make this one. Wow. So it's Mark and John uh, Polonia, who I looked them up a little bit. I definitely want to read more about them. Uh, one of them died tragically, like in their 30s. Uh, but they were a brother um, uh, brother duo who made like over 40 low-budget horror and sci-fi movies. Um, oh, I sorry, I lied. I guess the budget I found for Feeders 2 is 700. So yeah, about the same, we'll say. Yeah, as uh, not much, basically, is what we're saying. I don't even think that would be catering for, <laughs> for, for a movie. <laughs> Uh, so they specifically stayed doing low budget uh, sci-fi and horror stuff. I think in the Pennsylvania area, maybe they went a little bit more East Coast. I think their company now is in New Jersey, but, you know, so kind of an East Coast one. This movie, though, is a very specific recommendation. Uh, let me do the quick one line from Letterboxd first. Well, the tagline is close encounters of the worst kind. <laughs> so, uh, you know, where it's going here. Aliens invade Earth over the Christmas holidays, and it's up to Santa Claus and his elves to save the world. It's 72 minutes, and I'm pretty sure Santa comes in at maybe like the 55-0-minute mark, I think. Yeah. I wasn't really like watching this movie with a stopwatch going, but it's 1998, so it's got 1992, we'll say, like home computer digital art going on to it. It's like the flying saucers are coming in. You're like, what the fuck is going on? The aliens are these look like little um, skinny, maybe like marionette style puppets with like painted softballs with red eyes for their head. It's just, it's awesome and awful. <laughs> what I would say is it's like the guys in American movie made a Christmas themed alien. Oh movie. my God. And so that's what you're getting. The, the, the easier quick sell, I would say, if you ever had fun with your friends watching something like Birdemic. Yes. This went on with your friends and you will have that kind of time. Like, I don't want to use the word competent to describe how it's made, but like it's made as if it's a movie. Like the room is one of those movies where you're like, this isn't even how movies work. This is how movies work. It's just it's shot on video in 1997 for 700 bucks, mostly with their friends. And it's kind of a good time if you're in the mood for that type of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I adding to my list <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely work better like we were we were watching it together and kind of making up our own drinking game as we're going through it and like brainstorming some christmas presents so we weren't like fully attention on but it was an absolute uh an absolute blast and it'll be one of those maybe not every year but in a couple of years be like hey remember that really crappy movie about the aliens um santa has a ray gun at one point and starts saving the world with a ray gun that it's a still shot of a ray gun with fake 
1995 like animated lasers coming out. It's 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 a good time. It looks better than the birds in Birdemic. I'll put it that way. Okay, yeah, but barely. <laughs> Any other honorable oh. mentions, Mike? Yeah, I have one more. Uh, so this one, you know, just because I wanted to give a at least a different holiday, uh, New Year's Evil, uh, which is also from 1980 uh this one's a it's another slasher uh and basically it mostly revolves around this woman who is a she's a like a dj at uh at a place in hollywood and she gets this she starts getting these suspicious calls from a man who uh you know we only a lot of times just see his mouth um and he has one of the um the kind of uh, voice uh, things that uh, Peter Frampton likes to use, oh, uh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, he he basically um, calls her and uh, tells her that he's going to be killing the naughty girls um, at each. Um, so it, pretty much at each hour that uh, for each time uh, zone. So you know, for the Eastern time zone, the uh, the mid and the mountain and and all that um it's a it's a mostly uh you know a straightforward kind of slasher it kind of uh subverts your sometimes like you think it might be somebody but then but you know eventually it does kind of catch you off guard um at the end uh but uh it, it also has these really long music sequences there maybe maybe sometimes too long but uh they because <laughs> she's hosting a a show that's very much like uh dick's dick clark's uh rock and eve but it's okay. more you know punk rock uh harder edge and stuff but there there are some scenes that go just keep with the music mm-hmm. where maybe it's synced to one of the killings that's going on it just the song just keeps going on and on like the longest punk songs ever. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, if you're looking for something, not Christmas, I I would say, you know, give New Year's evil a spin. It's a, you know, it's, I think it's like a, just a hair under 90 minutes or something like that. It's, you know, it it has uh, its moments for sure. Well, it's also a, I was just looking it up real quick. It's also a Canon film. So like, Yes. Yeah, it's going to hit the Canon Beats, I assume, because that's yes. 1980. They're really ramping up. That's actually an interesting pick, too. So, like, that New Year's Evil and Christmas Evil are both 1980 uh, slasher films. Uh, so yeah. So, going on there. Well, I mean, it's, the, it's you know, basically the, the, the birth and boom, then, of the, of the slasher era, as far as horror goes. This was making me think, though, we were talking about earlier, like, the, the limited time... Like, is anybody going to be watching Violent Night as soon as, like, it's December 26th? You know, right. right. Season. <laughs> New Year's Eve even has, like, a smaller, because, uh, like, the month of December is taken up by Christmas and people doing yeah. crap. So maybe from, like, the 26th to the 31st, people are in, like, a New Year's Eve mood. Yeah. Uh, I got a smaller window to watch this movie. No, you're right. Uh, and it's, I mean, a lot of times it seems like uh, it'll be, like, some kind of romantic comedy about Oh, I I need somebody to kiss on New Year's Eve or something like. That. Oh yeah, yeah, like the Gary Marshall movie kind of style. Yeah, that that holiday probably the the movies that have been have taken place on New Year's Eve are not good. Uh, and that but, might be the greatest concentration of holiday garbage is actually New Year's Eve movies. <laughs> uh, interesting, right? Uh, 
no, I saw this one popping around on some list too, and I was like, uh, I may give this one a watch. You know, once we get past the again, once we get to December twenty sixth, got a couple of days off, I'll throw on uh, New Year's Evil. I'm sold on the punk rock aspect to it. That sounds kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you'll, uh, I think you'll get a kick out of it. You know, it, it's not something that I would probably rewatch a bunch of times, but uh, you know, it, it's always uh, if you have the right people with you, I think, I think you might yeah. enjoy it. Nice. <laughs> So, Mike, honorable mentions out of the way. What is your actual watch challenge pick for a holiday horror? Yeah. So for this one, I wanted to confer with uh, one of the resident uh, movie experts of the area, my friend Robert Banks. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, you know, before we started recording, you mentioned this. So I, I'm almost wondering if it's your pick as well. Like, are we going to finally sync up and Ooh, have the same That would be pick? I don't know. But – he told me that I should watch Don't Open Till Christmas, which is uh, from 1984. A homicidal maniac is loose at Christmas. His target is Santa Claus. His motives baffle Scotland Yard. Without a pattern for murder, no one dressed as Santa Claus is safe. His death toys are a spear, a gun, an open razor, a dagger, or an old-fashioned garage. Execution by any means. Don't open till Christmas. Some Santa Clauses ignore the warnings. He surely wouldn't attack a woman. You're thinking Jerry Sunquist as Cliff, number one suspect. What possible reason could I have for going around killing Santas? Oh, none that we know of. Terror drives one Santa Claus into a house of wax, a pit of horror where murder, mayhem, and sudden death are celebrated. Blood, gore, torture, the destruction of the innocent, the painful killing of the guilty. Did you pick this one as well? No, I did not. We are safe. Okay. Okay. Good. I, I was, but I was almost thinking like this would be a good way to end the year if we like sync up on <laughs> the 23rd episode. But anyway, so this one is um, it's kind of it's kind of weird, I, <laughs> I would say. But but I did kind of enjoy it. You know, basically, these people are uh, dressed up like Santa Clauses and the ones that are dressed up like Santa Claus are killed by this this person with a mask. And it's a it's one of those those plastic not see-through masks it, that's not the right word but it, it's more like the it's almost like the eyes wide shut masks but a little more cl- clear am i describing this terribly it also kind of smushes your face a little bit so it's kind of hard to see a little bit of the like the yes. features yeah yeah so it's like you can still see the eyes but you can't you know everything else it, it's a little yeah so the um the movie actually the movie starts at this this party where there is a you know there's a kindly old older man who's uh, dressed up like Santa you know he's about to like say hello to everybody and he gets killed in a very you know very violent way <laughs> with like a spear in his mouth um so then it, that kind of is the catalyst that kicks off the movie so we have this uh you know detective who's trying to help figure out who who killed this this man he's working with like a young couple 
And um, as the movie goes along, you know, the the young couple, you know, are introduced to these people. There, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of sexual things that are going on, on in this. So it, it's like the young couple goes over to this photographer's house and the photographer is kind of a perv. So he kind of suggests like, uh, hey, like you want to dress up like Santa, not realizing that, you know, her father was just killed in a Santa suit. (laughs) 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 But, you know, as it goes along, you know, you kind of have a mystery element going on. But then it's eventually when it's eventually, you know, revealed who the killer is, it's it's somewhat somewhat surprising, but also kind of uh, there's a, a few times where he's introduced and you get that sneaking suspicion like, yeah, that's probably the guy. And so yeah. like when it was revealed, I was a little bit like, ah, okay. Oh, like right. maybe I'm not as bad as I thought, you know, <laughs> as, as far <laughs> as these go. Um, but, uh, but certainly it was, um, it was a unique watch. Uh, it is, uh, I found it on Tubi. Uh, Tubi has the uncut version on YouTube. I found the, there's a slightly edited version, which takes out a lot of the, the nudity because there is there's quite a quite a considerable amount because I think the the final runtime is like eighty six minutes and on YouTube's it's like one twenty one or one twenty two so there's uh, a little bit of uh, nudity in there but uh, it, it was a very interesting movie to uh, add to that you know that the Christmas horror and um, I don't know it, it was it was probably not my favorite but. Uh, Anything that Robert suggests, I think, is always worth a watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if we would have recorded a few days later, it's possible it would have been my pick because I got through about 40, 45 minutes of it. Okay. And it definitely leaned, I thought, and I like this this genre a lot, but it definitely, I thought, was leaning more towards exploitation and horror. <laughs> yes. Than yeah. Just, again, like traditional horror because it's just kind of gross. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. It's other areas are kind of nasty to others. Like, I think the... The photographer also works. It's like he's working in a porn studio. There's like a peep show thing goes like it's pretty. Yes. It's, it's, yeah, there, yeah. There's actually that was one of the more interesting characters. I thought it was like you have this kind of cute girl working at the peep show. Yeah. And uh, it's run by her mom. Oh, right, right, right. There's a part where she, you know, there's like a kindly man, older man who's like definitely embarrassed about being at the peep show. Yeah. And, uh, you know. He's just like, does your mother know oh, you're working? Your mother here? realize that you're you're doing this, and yeah. she's just like, yeah, I'm actually working for my mother. Yeah, you know, the place. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, no, you're right. It it, it did kind of dabble into that. Yeah, in, into like that exploitation, kind of creepy, but uh, but I thought it was effective for for what it was. Yeah, yeah, and I think just watching so much Jalo stuff when we did our Jalo episode. And then I was watching some of those more mixed in with like my noir member watches. Like I just still have it on the brain where I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is kind of gross. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Like it, I, I, I have my suspicions, which I obviously you said you did too. So I feel like now, since you said that, I was like, okay, I think, I think my suspicions are probably right. Is the, who, Oh yeah. Who, yeah. Who's doing it here. Um, so this one though, the, the, the dude wearing the translucent ish mask. Yes. is the killer. This isn't a, a Santa Claus is evil out killing people. This is a targeting people dressed as Santa. Yes. Kind of, kind of. Yes. And it's really like his motivation, not really ever, you know, fully explained. Uh, oh, interesting. 
or maybe I'm, I just missed it. Um, but, uh, but you know, it's certainly, I mean, I guess if you're going to set a movie in Christmas time, I mean, why not kill a bunch of Santas? I <laughs> it's a good visual. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing with, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night and the whole series. Well, the first three. Oh episodes, yeah. Two, which we probably should have mentioned up top, but I was going to pick one of those, even though I, I'm having some fun going through that series this holiday season. Cause I only seen the first one and those are kind of a fun watch. Oh, see, the second one is pretty much, you know, 90% of the first one. First one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that one. Um, uh, yeah, probably about four or five days ago. And it was just like, wait, no, did I push play on the wrong one? This is the scene. For, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give it a minute. Uh, but then you, as you go deeper in that series, though, you get like Monty Hellman directs one. Right. Um, I think like, is it Brian Yunza directs one? Like it's, there's like some directors. I'm like, you're, why are you directing the fifth movie in this series? This is so wild. So I'm um, having that one. We have to kind of blame the uh, Friday the 13th series for introducing that, uh, you know, hey, we're going to show like, uh, you know, the last 15 minutes before we actually get into what we're going to Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, no, just make like a 60-minute movie. We'll pad it. We got footage from the last <laughs> minute, but, um, So what'd you end up picking? Well, so your comment about Don't Open Till Christmas and The Killer, while The Killer not being Santa Claus in this particular case, being a dude in a translucent and very creepy mask, I have to say. Like, <laughs> we're, we're not describing it well. Like, do a, a quick Google search for Don't Open Till Christmas movie mask. It's creepy. <laughs> he also has the forced smile, if I'm remembering correctly. The way that oh, yes. Yeah, it's 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 weird. I have a movie. Uh, again, I stuck with like, I went outside of Hollywood. I wanted to see like what sure. some movies are doing. And this one actually had been on my list for a couple years now. I just hadn't seen it streaming anywhere. This one also has a killer. This killer, though, is dressed like Santa Claus. And mm-hmm. there isn't really motivation, which I found to be like very effective and very creepy. So the movie I went with my official pick... Uh, okay, so there's a number of titles for this one. <laughs> the official title in France when it came out was 3615 Code Père Noël. <laughs> it was like this early internet kind of computer that this kid uses in here. And it was like the code name for like the message board or something that he was using to try to talk to Santa Claus. Yeah. If you're on Letterboxd, it's Game Over from 1989. Okay. If you're on IMDb, it's Deadly Games from 1989. <laughs> <laughs> on Wikipedia, it's Deadly Games from 1989. I'm going with the game over because I'm on Letterboxd more than I'm on the other one. Sure. So, Game Over, 1989, directed by Rene Menzor. He's nine years old. His name is Thomas. He's a little genius. He believes in Father Christmas. His two favorite pastimes computers and superheroes December 24th midnight hidden under the dining room table Thomas waits for Father Christmas but what he does not know is that he is about to experience the most frightening night in his entire life the quick description of this one is again 1989 um, it's Home Alone before Home Alone came out. <laughs> Home Alone comes out the next year, 1990. Um, I have no idea if Chris Columbus or anybody or John Hughes had like seen this one. Um, I didn't really get too deep into like, how did this come out in America or when was this ever shown? But it's the main kid is Thomas. He's obsessed with action films. You would actually, I think, really dig the opening of this, Mike. It's, yeah. 
a French Christmas version of Eye of the Tiger as he plays oh my God. in this mansion he lives in. <laughs> yes. Um, it's pretty fun so he has gadgets all over the house he's upset like he's he's kind of a tinkering like i don't know it's like doc brown from back to the future like as a child like he's just inventing shit um he's got a wrist thing in 1989 he's got a wrist thing where he can see like this closed circuit uh, security cameras around his house he can punch in on this like um code pad on his wristband and like a trap door opens in the in the hallway with a net underneath it he, like, captures his dog um he puts on face paint he's got secret compartments throughout this like mansion of a house it's actually kind of a castle looking thing that he lives in with his widowed mom and his grandpa and side plot to that or secondary plot to that is just like some f- fucking crazy guy um grabs a job as santa at the temp agency this kid's mom works for overhears their address spray paints his hair white and his beard white has the santa suit on as a temp santa he actually he's acting as a temp santa a kid sits on his lap he doesn't like what she says so he smacks her like a child <laughs> and then he gets fired and he's like oh fuck it. i'm gonna go to this house and murder some people like there's no motivation he's just like all right i'm gonna go get this so you end up <laughs> a kid on his own with all of his inventions and all of his gadgets and he has to keep himself and his like very old very fragile almost totally blind grandpa safe as this like maniac dressed as Santa is loose in the house. It's a lot of fun, but actually it also really takes its time to give you a sense of character and yeah. dynamics between mainly the kid and the grandpa. But you also get a sense of, cause like the mom is like, I can't, I'm trying to call home. It's Christmas Eve. I can't get a hole. I can't get through all the phone lines are done. I have to get home. So she just knows that mother instinct. Something's wrong. I got to get home. So she's, she's ready to get home. Of course she gets run off the road in a car accident. You know, like it's, you know, she can't get home real quickly, but that kid, he's watched a lot of Rambo. He's watched a lot of uh, action films and he's got all these gadgets and he's ready to defend his house, keep his grandpa safe and take out Santa Claus. The kicker with this one though, is, and I think you get this cause it's not a Hollywood film is they play it up as the kid thinks it's actually Santa the whole time. Yeah. Which makes it really, really kind of fun because you know, as an audience, and I'm not going to spoil any of these scenes, but like when he arrives sure. at the house, you know, immediately this guy is fucked in the head and he's violent. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> this kid sees it. He sees, you know, what he because he, he comes in the house through the chimney. And so by the end of the movie, you know, uh, the kid is safe. I'll at least give you that part there. But like the trauma of like Santa was just in the house and tried to kill me and my grandpa for a couple of hours. Yeah. And he's a child. You're just like, I, what, what? Oh, this oh, they get ends with like being like, it's my fault. Mom, I wanted to see Santa. Cause he sets up all these cameras and all this elaborate stuff because he wants to actually see Santa when he comes on Christmas Eve. Turns out it was just some random crazy person. Actually, I think when I looked it up, I don't remember necessarily in the movie, but I feel like on Wikipedia or someplace they they described it as like um a recently released derelict um, <laughs> who uses this public computer terminal to like talk to people, and he stumbles onto this kid and he convinces him he's Santa Claus and blah blah blah. But <laughs> I'm looking at the images from this movie uh, oh, as you're talking about it, and I'm just like, oh my god, this is like so me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, yeah, Home Alone vibes. Apparently, the story goes that the uh, filmmakers even threatened legal action on plagiarism because, like, it's literally my movie. You just didn't make it the horror kind of thing. (laughs) But no, it's it's a really good time. Definitely don't watch it with the kids around. If you've got a teen kid like I do who's starting to get into horror movies, very, very good one. It's not a full on like slasher gore movie, but there is, you know, it's a horror movie. Yeah. It's still there, but uh, it's up on Shutter, which is where I saw it. I was like, "Oh, it's streaming!" Oh, I had to do this one. So, oh, amazing! Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a solid one. So it sounds like Mike, that one might be more of a solid like recommendation than um, "Don't Open Till Christmas." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would still say, I mean, if you have the time and you know want to really dip into these, I think "Don't Open Till Christmas" is a is a fine uh, you know fine watch. But this one, this one sounds like. A must watch in my, in my eyes. <laughs> it checks, it checks a, a good number of boxes. It just it has that playfulness of like a child main character. Actually, even calling back to the one we were just talking about films about filmmaking when you were talking about Son of Rambo. Yes. Like it yeah. has that kind of thing where just like an inventive kid left alone to his own devices and, uh, you know, uh, a good good amount of money. I mean, they live in a fucking castle, so it's <laughs> not, not, not hurting for money for all these gadgets, but um, <laughs> right. it's it's. But it doesn't steer into being a kid movie the way I think you get that kind of um, genre yeah. in, in Hollywood. Um, definitely, definitely not safe for the kids. And I, <laughs> the very last moments of it, if, you, if you're a fan of like the Silent Night, Deadly Night films, it, you can see childhood trauma being born right there on screen as he's you know, <laughs> looking at Santa going like Santa why why would you do that <laughs> um, it, it gave me real 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 strong feelings of like that final scene in the first Silent Night Deadly Night where you're in the orphanage and you got the kids and the Santa and the whole situation there. <laughs> definitely worth the wait so our official watch challenge picks for holiday horror uh, are Don't Open Till Christmas from 1984 and you said that was on Tubi Correct. Which right? Okay. And game over, aka Deadly Games, aka three six one five code Pair Noel from eighty nine. That is currently on Shutter. Uh, if you have that particular service, uh, Mike, what have we got in front of us for our next challenge? So, because we're we're heading into the new year, uh, we decided uh, for this episode it's going to be pickier any year. So uh, Aaron sent me a uh, spin the wheel of death or, <laughs> and uh, came up with 1981. So basically this is a kind of free for all grab bag, anything from 1981 that we you know probably haven't seen. So uh, looking forward to this one. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to skew horror in any way. I assume I'm going to have at least one yeah. years, as we were just talking about. The yeah, 80s and the birth of the well. genre there. So. <laughs> so it has to be films from the year 1981. If you have any of your favorite films from the year 1981 you want to let us know about, or if you want to just suggest a topic or a genre you'd like us to cover on a future show, you can send it to watchchallengepodcast at gmail.com or take a look at the links that are in the show notes in the episode you're listening to right now and uh, let us know what you recommend. Until next time, folks, rate and review the show in whatever podcast app you're using, and we'll see you with the next challenge. Happy holidays, everybody. Bye.